right, welcome back to our weekly Gate 15 security sprint where I, Andy, am leading things off today because Dave Pounder's enjoying some well-deserved family time. So Dave, we miss you. We hope you're having a good break. And much more importantly, I don't want to put up with Dave's nonsense today because I'm joined by the very much welcome Jennifer Lynn Walker today. Jen, thanks for joining me for today's security sprint. I'm glad you're here. And I'm not so sad that Dave isn't. So welcome. I was waiting. I was like, wow, that was a really nice thing that you said about Dave. I was like, I was a little surprised. And and there there was there at the end there. <laughs> uh, Dave, Dave Always was happy to talk it. shots when I'm not here. So I thought there's still a little something in there, but, but I am glad you're here. I always mean, happy to pinch it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're always delighted when you can make it and you're always juggling a billion things. So glad you could be here. And there's, there's a lot to cover. I'll tell you, I, I was going through some of my notes preparing for today. Like I could just talk about today's Gay 15 Sun. And that's that's a, that's plenty to sprint through. I mean, there was so much just on this Monday morning. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, Gate 15 Sun is our daily free uh, email update. You can subscribe to that from our homepage at gate15.global. It's free. It's delivered right to your inbox. Why not get it, right? But but for those that didn't read it today, Jen, we're going to cover some of those topics and a lot more. I think you've got some uh, big sort of mashed up catch-all topics we're going to talk through. So why don't you start off? I think you've got a lot to cover to kick things off, and we'll just go from there. So following our usual format, we'll have our first round main topics, a second round, and then we'll just hit some quick hits to wrap things up. In today's always fast, never enough time, security sprint. Jen, take it. So I'm going to kind of mish mishmash a lot of things, hopefully into some succinct um, and make it shorter than it really, really I, is. I love so. moshing, Jen. Even though I'm older, I still love a good mosh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is the mosh pit edition of the security sprint. All right, um, so kind of in the usual cybersecurity vulnerability public service announcement of the day or the week. Um, last week, we had multiple critical vulnerabilities and some exploitation on some widely used products. And I emphasize widely used products. Um, the products were Citrix, so now called Netscaler, um, Adobe Cold Fusion, Microsoft Office. All of those items, or all of those, were added to CIS's one of my favorite products and one of my favorite resources, CIS's known exploited exploited vulnerabilities catalog. Last week, have you talked about well. Fortune? Have you brought that topic up before? I don't know. Maybe not this year, but <laughs> <laughs> or this month. Um, but I'm sure I have. Uh, anyway, so it, it, you know, the important thing to keep in mind, you know, people, one, if you use those products in your environment, it's, you know, just emphasizing that it's so important to be current on, on patching, especially, you know, I, these are IT products, IT patching. This isn't, we're not going to talk about OT stuff and OT patching. That's, that's a whole nother show. Um, but from for IT products and IT patching, and you might see the headlines and hear the hear about the vulnerabilities, and and you know maybe you don't understand them, and that's completely fine. There's a lot of them, even though I'm in cybersecurity. There's a lot of the vulnerabilities I don't understand, and I'm like, okay, but you know what? This is a widely used product, um, and just because it might be a threat actor from Russia or China, and you think, oh well, you know maybe I'm a small faith-based organization. What do they? You know they wouldn't be interested in me. No, other groups like to borrow vulnerabilities and, and exploitation and ex, uh, methods from other um, groups. So it doesn't really matter who's doing it right now because someone different could be doing it tomorrow um, that's doing it in, in a more, um, uh, what, you know, you know the word I'm looking for here, not targeted, the opposite of targeted. Commodity. <laughs> like, 
uh, commodity is usually when I say, but yeah, in a commodity way, in a more widespread way, um, where, you know, they opportunistic, that was the word I was looking for. So they can be doing it in a more opportunistic way. So, um, you know, it's very important to, to make sure that if you're not the IT team, that your IT teams are aware of these things um, when they're hitting the headlines. And you can find all of these things, as Andy eloquently put in the beginning, from the Gate 15 Sun. So make sure you get that in the hands of your IT folks or your, you know, IT uh, managed service provider or technology service provider if you don't have someone in-house. Um, more kind of on the vulnerability front, I think, so I'm on my move it trifecta here. It's the third time in the last month and a half or so I've been on, and I know you guys have talked about move it. Um, so it's a file transfer application that the ransomware group CLOP is, has been exploiting for well over a month now. Right now they're up to, the update here is they're up to about 400 entities and over $75 million in payouts. Yeah. Um, so they're not encrypting the data at this point. They believe they're using this the vulnerability from move it to put uh, you know backdoors in and, and come back later, but they're, they're definitely stealing the data and they're um, you know using that as the extortion without the encrypting um, piece of it. Multiple reasons on that, but the bottom line is if move it is something that you're using and you haven't, uh, you know, patched for it, please do. And it, the also, also the the bit is people are, you know, they're not even encrypting; they're just threatening, and they're still, you know, the, the idea here is that a lot of times, you know, people don't have their backups, and so there's no other way for them to get their data back. Or and the best way, and they make a business decision to pay the ransom. Well, in this case, they're not even encrypting; they're just threatening to release the data, which you know can be devastating. What's devastating for anyone, you know, to have data released, um, you know, sensitive data released, and so they're not even, you know, you don't have any, even have that encryption component. They're just stealing the data, and they're still making what they estimate seventy-five million to one hundred million in payout. So folks are still paying. So cyber extortion, right? So it doesn't even have to be re really be ransomware. It's just. Right. Yep. yep. And it's hard to like, you know, you think ransomware and you think that the malware that encrypts and I've lately, you know, as I've been doing my similar uh, version, I do for one of our, um, one of our clients, uh, similar to the sign, I do, I do a similar product and, you know, I'm like struggling. It's like, well, did I put this in ransomware or did I put this in an incident? You know, cause it's not really, it's, it's, it's not, but we've identified it as ransomware because of the group that's been extorting, but, um, you know, they kind of made things a little easier for themselves. Plus it's a transfer software. So I guess there was backups natively there. I think that was part of the issue, which is why they're like, well, why bother doing that? We'll just steal the data and see what happens. And <laughs> unfortunately they're doing pretty good with that. Yeah. Um, so those are, uh, those are as far as the vulnerabilities go. Um, the other kind of, um, part of that is, um, this week or last week, I'm sorry, uh, Microsoft announced that they would um, uh, make logging, the logging from their cloud environment, their cl um, Office 365 or Microsoft 365 environment available for essentially everyone. Um, and that kind of goes to that one, the, it was um, because of one of the products that they were talking about that was being exploited. And um, it's part of that secure by design. CISA worked with them and highly encouraged that 
you know, that, that they make the, the logs available. And quite honestly, I, I have to play, you know, my, my ignorance here is I just, I just presumed, probably assumed that Microsoft would have done this anyway. Like they would have already been available. So I was actually kind of surprised, like, really? But I don't get into the licensing and, and that's kind of not my world. So, um, you know, I don't, don't know what's all available with all the different, you know, licenses and stuff like that. So it was just, I found it hard to believe because the first thing is a security analyst that I do and someone says, oh, you know, there was a business email compromise or whatever. I'm like, check your logs. Yeah. yeah. And here it is. Uh, they probably aren't yeah. available. They probably don't have the logs. So I was like, wait a minute. So um, good on Microsoft for responding to that um, encouragement. Um, but like, huh, this wasn't already available before, but okay. There's a lot, Jen. There's a lot in that mashup. Mosh <laughs> I think uh, I tried to keep up with you as I was taking notes as you were going. There's a lot, and also we're not gonna have time to get into it, but you, you touched move it, we talked extortion. There's a whole lot in the world of ransomware over the last week. I mean, mm -hmm. new reports that have come out, uh, Coveware, uh, the Grit Report, and, and just a whole lot more from DOJ, Bleeping Computer doing their always great coverage, a couple of new good analyses products. There's just so much going on. So we'll share those links, everything you just covered, as well as some of the things I just mentioned. Worth checking out if you've got time and you're listening to this. Worth checking out the show notes for that. Jen, anything else you want to touch on there before I make my first pivot? Nope, that's all for that one. Okay, awesome. Well, great. You, you covered, I had a list of topics I wanted to get into today and you just knocked out like 75% of them. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, want, I want to look at, uh, or we mentioned CISA, our good friends at CISA, always doing good work. And a new post on Friday, Eric Goldstein, the Executive Assistant Director for Cybersecurity at CISA, uh, published a new post talking to something they've talked about before. Uh, this follows the uh, release of the, the president's memorandum on improving cybersecurity for critical, in, critical infrastructure, infrastructure control systems, and the establishment of cross-sector cybersecurity performance goals. And uh, in the blog post, Eric covers a couple of things. I just want to focus on, he, he lists four examples of sort of low-hanging fruit best practices that organizations can employ right now that just instantly bolster security, make it that much harder for the adversary to attack you and sort of applying that slowest gazelle uh, mentality, right? You don't have to be the fastest guy on the field. You seem to be fastest and the slowest gazelle and the line will eat him, right? So if we can harden ourselves just a little bit of activity on our end and we can avoid being the slowest gazelle, let the attackers go elsewhere and find somebody else's organization to harass, right? So the four tips that Eric highlights in the blog post, change default passwords, yes, do that. Okay. Implement phishing resistant multi-factor authentication, Phishing is phishing, and every MFA can be can be you know, bypassed and tricked with enough effort from a, a deliberate, you know, sophisticated actor. But yes, you should have MFA on. You should try and make it as hard as possible for the adversary. And with that, as we've talked about in many of our exercises, you've got to train your personnel on what they're supposed to do when they get those MFA alerts and let them know how they're being attacked by the adversary because it's still not that hard. To mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> number, yeah, right? Jen's your head. So number My favorite topics. Yeah, yeah, as it should be. People, people think that you know. There, again, there's no silver bullet, right? We still have to do our part in preparedness and training and exercising. But number three, separate user and privileged accounts. Yes, right. Definitely, yes, right. There should be some people that have access to a lot. Should have access to a little. A few should have access to a lot, and a very uh, elect few should have access to everything, if even right. So uh, we can definitely think through that one. And lastly, my favorite, Eric. Thank you. Incident response plans, create, maintain, and exercise cybersecurity 
response plans. Indeed, you should. And if you haven't seen it before, we had our June uh, promotion, our ransomware resilience uh, security summer promotion. We're continuing that all summer long. If you don't have your incident response plan, by God, now's a great time to build it. We'll happily help you build it. If you haven't trained or exercised that plan, take advantage of our promotion and we'll come help you exercise it. Do what you can do to harden your organization. Great, simple tips, things anybody can take on and do without an overwhelming amount of effort or an insane amount of cost, right? So right thing to do. Good tips from CISA. Eric, thank you for the blog post. We'll share the links to that as well. That's our first round. Jen, we're racing fast. I feel like when Dave's not here, we're just lighter, faster, maybe even better. More nimble. <laughs> What's that? More nimble. More nimble. Yeah. So, I mean, Dave, come on, man. Don't be a clunker. So, Jen, back to you for round two. Where do you want to go in round two? Round two, a little something for everyone, kind of pulling that whole cybersecurity evangelists or the cybersecurity evangelist thing since I haven't done, uh, uh, yeah, I'm on hiatus. Anyway, um, want to talk about some scams, uh, travel-related scams. I'm kind of notorious for writing about those or talking about those. Um, there's a few on, um, you know, you, uh, uh, ticket scamming. And then there was one, uh, uh, all, both of them are airline-based. And then there was another one, um, you know, the, the, customers were calling bogus customer support lines. I think it was from Southwest to South, somebody, maybe it wasn't Southwest, maybe it was American, I don't know. Somebody canceled a ton of flights and cyber uh, threat actors took advantage, scammers took advantage of that and created a bunch of fake customer service numbers that they populate were populated into Google. And so folks, when they were looking, I think it was for, I'm going to say it was for LaGuardia. LaGuardia. Was it a specific relating to a specific airport or something? Well, again, we'll share that. But the idea is the threat actors leveraged this news that all these flights were canceled from this particular airline, created these bogus customer service sites and, and, you know, consumers, passengers were calling the customer service so they could, you know, uh, you know, fix, get on a new flight, you know, whatever the, whatever it was um, to, and get the customer service needs. So Google, I'm going to presume the last headline I saw, they were hustling to fix it. I'm going to presume they did because um, Google's pretty good when it comes to security, believe it or not. Um, Google takes such a hit on so many things, but they really have uh, you know, they, they're really serious about their security behind the scenes. So um, that's that one. The other one really, really kind of just wrenches my heartstrings. I hate, it's one thing when scammers in general, um, you know, are just throwing out those opportunistic scams and whatnot, you know, but when they're doing it to the elderly, yeah. it just, I, I just want to reach through the computer and just strangle, strangle them. Um, so the FBI uh, issued a report, tech support scams um, are now using shipping companies to collect cash. But what they're doing is that they're, they're again, they're targeting our older, you know, older, uh, our elder, elderly. So share this with your older colleagues and your loved ones and your, you know, your parents and your grandparents. Um, so there's a, a recent nationwide uptick in technical support scams, which is that part's nothing new, but they're targeting older adults. Um, and they're instructing the older adults to send cash wrapped in magazines and then maybe dropping it off at a pharmacy or some other place that um, accepts, you know, the shipping, you know, UPS or something like that. So, uh, and I'll read, um, it was either from a bleeping computer article, I think, and we'll share that in the show notes. The scammer instructs the victim to send the money in cash wrapped in a magazine or similar method of concealment via a shipping company to a name and address provided by the scammer, of course. 
Um, most recently, scammers have instructed victims to ship packages containing money to pharmacies. Okay, I guess I, I guess I said all that. But the point is telling them, you know, to pay, whether this, the, the scam might be, you know, tech support. Um, I think I, I read a little bit about it. It was, um, uh, they got them on the phone through tech support. So hackers love to chat. Oh, ooh, hackers. I never say hackers. Attackers <laughs> love to chat too. And they use the phone for these scams. You know, the, the old tech support scam with the, um, you know, oh, something wrong with your computer. Here's your remote access software. They remote access in. I mean, we've all heard this a million times, whether it's by me or Dave or Andy. Um, you know, oh, okay, you're going to pay us now for our help. And the, the scam, again, not, um, not new, but it's it's working at least for the you know older older loved ones. Oh, the scammers like accidentally we accidentally um, took too much money out of your account um, because uh, they got the uh, the victims to enter their banking information. We took too much, or we gave you too much. We need you to return it. Um, wait, that doesn't make sense. What? <laughs> now I'm getting all confused. But the, the, the scam on there was too much. They gave them too much money. Um, you know, they need to send it back and to put it into a magazine of all things and then mail that it just, it, it, it just, I don't know why it surprised me, but that one actually like made me like, really? Like, I didn't see that coming. I guess I just don't think like an attacker or a scammer so <laughs> would have never thought of that ploy. I don't know. Well, I, I think with, with what you covered there, Jen, you know, I mean, it, with both of those, right? Both the ticket scamming and our elder fraud. First on elder fraud, we'll share the FBI IC3, you know, alert about that. And hats off to the FBI and the FBI Washington field office and our good friend there who will remain nameless, but very much appreciated for all the good work that she and others have done on elder fraud. It's, it's a persistent, you know, difficult problem, right? Taking advantage of our elderly population. But, you know, the ticket scamming one, I think really jumped out at me because it just shows how, quickly the adversary yeah. can pivot to take advantage of opportunistic situations, right? I mean, here we are dealing with ticketing stress and people are scrambling, trying to figure things out. They're not thinking I'm going to get scammed. They're like, hey, how do I fix this right now? And in slides the adversary just to take advantage of that. So whether it's, you know, air, airline changes or, or a you know, significant natural hazard, a hurricane, here we are in the midst of hurricane season, right? All the ways the adversary seeks to pounce on us that's where I think information sharing goes, you know, well beyond the information sharing ecosystem we're typically talking about in our work lives to, hey, if, if you're, you know, let your loved ones know about scams that are going on, remind them when those things are coming up, you know, let them know if you see something and they're the one on travel, right? Let people know because when you're in the middle of that stress or your broken heart is trying to do the right thing and help out some victims of a natural hazard or other tragedy, you might not be thinking about that. And, and as the callous adversary shows, they don't care. They just want your money. So, you know, those are really good ones to highlight, Jen. Really unfortunate, but you know, that's that's the uh, that's the fallen world we live in. This kind of stuff happens way too often, unfortunately. Yep. Well, that's all for me. Well, I appreciate it. those are good ones, and I'm going to take a pivot here to a different topic. Dave's not here to talk about severe weather, weatherman. We miss you. I'm not going to dive into weather in and of itself, although we'll share some links about severe weather, which has been intense and ongoing worldwide. Uh, extremely hot, uh, flooding fires. There's a lot happening. Uh, you know, there's a lot that could scare one of us, you know, but, but I want to talk about a new uh, initiative from the White House, not focused on uh, natural hazards, but, but in that similar realm of 
physical preparedness, right? So on Friday, the White House announced that as part of the president's, I'm quoting here, commitment to ensure that our country is more prepared for the pandemic than we were when he took office. Uh, the White House is standing up a new Office of Pandemic Preparedness and Response Policy. So this is a, a big step, right? When you, uh, the White House, uh, there's you know always creating new ideas and initiatives, but to put an office together, this builds on work that I don't know if it started with, maybe got the biggest push under uh, President George W. Bush, uh, where he started really looking at pandemic preparedness. And we, we made a lot of work, did a lot of work in preparedness over the years, kind of failed though, right? I mean, we, we missed hard with when the pandemic actually hit. So it's good to see the White House putting extra emphasis on this, putting the leader in charge, the president nominated uh, Major General retired Paul Friedrichs uh, to serve as the inaugural director of the new office. Uh, he'll, he'll be that key advisor starting next month in August. So we've got somebody in charge of making sure that we're more prepared. And that's something we've been harping about since just weeks after the pandemic was start complying your lessons learned now, start identifying how you can be better next time around now. And there's been a, a lot of disappointment, at least on my end, of how we've captured uh, successes and failures from the pandemic. And there were many of both. And if we're actually working towards improvement, because I'd say right now today, for a variety of reasons, we're probably less prepared than we were tragically in December of 2019. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see this. Hopefully there'll be support for the initiative and hopefully uh, the, uh, Mr. Friedrichs, former Major General Friedrichs can get something going here to put us on a better footing because we never know when the next pandemic could come, right? Or a significant epidemic, right? That could hit us. And so, you know, with that, I saw an interesting article and this brings it back into severe weather and climate a little bit, Jen, of how mosquitoes moving to higher elevations as temperatures increase, mosquitoes are trying to find cooler temperatures where they're more able to thrive. And so they're moving into areas that aren't typically used to having mosquitoes in their populations the way they are now. And that's increasing things such as malaria in populations that didn't previously have that threat be as uh, prevalent as it is now, but with changing uh, weather temperatures, moving uh, populations of mosquitoes and other uh, creatures, and now the threats follow that. So an interesting sort of uh, thing to see as we often talk about you know, severe weather, uh, climate changes and what that means to us. Here's one way that it might manifest itself is in some of these emerging threats. And a whole lot more, we talked about some of the severe weather we've seen, tornado damage to a Pfizer plant, boiling temperatures in Phoenix, uh, you know, energy systems being taxed, uh, some of them as, as far as they can go, Tokyo getting uh, heat records worldwide, a lot of interesting things happening. So we'll share some of those links, but again, to the, to the White House announcement, glad to see that. We'll see if we can actually make the progress we need to. Again, we've been talking about it since, you know, different party was in the White House, you know, almost 20 years ago. Let's see if we can start to make some progress uh, that, that's much needed. Jen, any thoughts on that? Uh, actually, I got stuck on the mosquitoes. Like you think <laughs> hot, muggy and mosquitoes, you know, I don't, yeah. I, I guess I just never, I guess I didn't realize that they prefer a cooler climate. I think they've got a sweet spot. You know what I mean? I think everybody's got a sweet spot temperature they like, and even they can find it to be too muggy at times, I guess. But yeah, I was out running yesterday, and I'll tell you that they were they were biting my back, and it was hot and muggy, I guess, just enough because they were all over the place. So yeah, interesting. I'll share the link to read that report a little bit more. So we've covered a lot, Jim. We've talked about the mashup of cybersecurity threats. We've talked about um, some some best practices being carried. We've talked about the the terrible world of scams and some health preparedness topics. Anything you want to cover in our quick hits round? Uh, no, I felt like my quick hits was kind of the the scams, okay. more or less. So I don't really, I 
yeah, I, I kind of kind of did what you did and, and and looked at all the things and then just kind of weeded it out and ended up with what, what I had. So, well, th those were good topics. And as Dave likes to tease, uh, he likes to call these Andy's quick hits because I usually have a long list of things to, to rattle off. <laughs> I'm going to keep it shorter today. I'm just going to hit a couple things. Again, we'll share the links for these. You can check them out for more. Uh, CNN reports on a new report identifying that we've hit the mark of 400 mass shootings in 2023. Now, you know, there's different definitions of what qualifies as a mass shooting and there's always sort of the, you know, different opinions on that and, you know, what's a mass shooting, what's an active shooter, and then that's a good discussion to have, but still a significant number, however you count it. You know, there have been 400, you know, incidents affecting multiple people around the country. Here we are, you know, just over the halfway point of the year. We'll share the link to that, and from the CNN article that we'll link to, uh, there's the actual report that you can dive into. Also, uh, just out, a significant report, IBM released their um, updated data breach notification report, I'm sorry, the cost of data breach report, some really interesting findings there, increase in the cost of a data breach, you're saying over the last three years, a 15% increase. They talked about the, the value of preparedness and, and bringing in law enforcement, how that can significantly save money. They note that nearly half of the study of ransomware victims did in fact pay the ransom. Uh, they cite the increase, soaring increase in healthcare uh, costs relating to data breaches, uh, 53% increase since 2020. That's that's quite a chunk and a lot more in the findings there. So that's a good report to check out, the IBM uh, cost of a data breach report 2023. Also, uh, just a couple notes, Biden-Harris administration announced a cybersecurity labeling program for smart devices. That might be something worth checking out. Interesting, uh, something they've been talked about for a long time. Good to see that happening. Uh, another White House uh, piece here, Biden-Harris administration secures voluntary commitments for leading artificial intelligence companies to manage the risks posed by artificial intelligence. Uh, some new CISA products, a shooting incident in New Zealand just before the start of the World Cup, but unfortunately that incident was contained at least, and the World Cup went off uh, and got started successfully. And last, Jen, I just want to mention I got an email notification at the end of last week from an organization I'm very fond of talking about an event coming up in October. It was a save the date for Water ISAC's H2O Security <laughs> Conference. Any thoughts on that? Have you heard of the organization before? Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so big, I big fans. Yes, big fans, big fans. Yeah, so we are having our Water ISAC is uh, having um, our second um, annual um, Water Security Conference, H2O SecCon. Um, uh, this year, it's going to be October 19th and 20th. I was just talking about it yesterday. Um, yeah, 19th and 20th, you said it. Um, it's virtual this year. Last year's was virtual. This year's virtual. We're hoping maybe next year we'll um, do it uh, in person, um, but that you know remains to be seen. We've issued the call for papers um, for folks, and um, you know otherwise working on uh, programming and uh, content and scheduling and. Um, you know, pulling in favors of people that said, hey, anytime, you know, you need anything, just let us know. <laughs> right, it, it's going to be awesome. Last year's inaugural event was, I think, a tremendous success, a multi-day event, a huge success. I was very grateful to get to play a part in that. Uh, this year, I'll just say, you know, Jen, I might have mentioned to you and your teammates that I would be unavailable for just a handful of days in October. I'm not offended at least that you specifically planned the event while I was unavailable for the dates. <laughs> I don't take that personally at all, but next year, hopefully, it'll be in person and I can be there for the entire event. So I think it's, it's just such a great event. So, hey, that call for papers is open. Reach out, contact Water ISAC, get involved. Great opportunity, incredible community, right? I mean, there's a lot of critical infrastructure. There's 
perhaps no more critical than water and energy, right? There's ones that we Absolutely. cannot do without. And I'm grateful that Jen Walker and some of our teammates are there helping to secure the water environment with, with Water ISAC. Jen, it's a good place, I think, to leave things. Check out the link to Water ISAC Save the Date. Check out all the show notes we're going to share. Jen, thank you for joining me today and covering the, mish, the mashup, the mishup, the moshup, the mosh pit, whatever exactly <laughs> we're calling it. And, uh, and next week, we'll have Dave Pounder back. And who knows, maybe Jen will come back and join us yet again. Jen, anything you want to close us out with? Nope. Thanks for having me. Like I said, always happy to, to pinch it when I can. You, you did great. And in my <laughs> uh, best channeling of Dave Pounder, please allow me to bid our listeners adieu. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>